Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to episode 63 of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. Guys, I hope y'all have had a fantastic start to y'all's week. I know I definitely have. I hope y'all were able to watch plenty of sports, including Game 5 of the NBA Finals that took place on Monday night. And boy, what a game that was. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in today's episode. But anyway, guys, during today's episode to start off, the episode we will be talking a little bit about the A&M and Alabama drama that continues to just you know have new developments what it seems like every single week apparently A&M was wanting Nick Saban to get fined or possibly suspended for his comments that he made about the university paying all of their players we'll also talk a little bit about the Baker Mayfield situation as we finally have a new development and that is between the Carolina Panthers and the Cleveland Browns and we could possibly see Baker end up being a Carolina Panther by the end of this very week and then obviously to wrap up today's episode we'll talk a little bit about the NBA finals and how that game went and then we'll also be talking about Washington National starting pitcher Steven Strasburg who is entering the IL again after only one start and why many national fans aren't really optimistic about him and his future with the team but anyway guys I hope y'all do enjoy today's episode and before we do start like always please make sure that you're following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce on both of those platforms guys if you love daily sports content and daily sports news those are some of the best platforms out there to you know be caught up to date so make sure that you are following those um pages but anyway guys let's get right into today's news and the first college football news that i do want to talk about today is regarding four-star linebacker jamal anderson out of uh, mill creek high school in georgia and if you're wondering why the name jamal anderson sounds you know kind of familiar that is because jamal's father jamal anderson senior was a standout running back in the nfl and most notably played with the Atlanta Falcons while also winning a Super Bowl with them. So he was a very decent NFL player during his time. Now his son, who currently is a four-star linebacker basing out of Georgia, he officially made his announcement on Monday afternoon, and he decided that he will be joining Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. So like I continue to say in all of these episodes, Clemson is you know, slowly creeping up to that top 2023 recruiting class. Now, will they beat Notre Dame? Now, will they beat a couple of these other schools? Probably not. But will they be able to get into the top 10 possibly? Absolutely. Because once again, Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers, they've had plenty of success even in the past couple of years, despite this past season being kind of a letdown. But anyway, this is an amazing pickup for the Clemson Tigers as he kind of has a similar play style to former Clemson Tigers and current Arizona Cardinals linebacker slash a safety hybrid Isaiah Simmons and he's going to immediately fulfill that role for the um, Clemson Tigers now Jamal he is six foot four 202 pounds and is currently ranked as the number 173rd ranked prospect in the class of 2023 so a very huge pickup for the Tigers and will probably end up being an impact starter once he does end up joining them in 2023 now the next college football news that I do want to talk about this is regarding Texas A&M and kind of their beef right now with Nick Saban who is also regarded as one of the greatest college football head coaches of all time. Now, in case you're wondering why these two sides are kind of at odds right now, this is due to um, comments that Nick Saban made last month about Texas A&M quote-unquote buying all their recruits via NIL. Now, he never said what the Aggies were doing wrong. They weren't saying they were doing it illegally or anything like that. They He just did not like the way that schools are kind of 
you know, going through these loops and these laws to be able to get these kids and pay them these huge amounts of money just to come to their school. Because in case you don't know, A&M beat out Alabama for um, the 2022 recruiting class, which A&M had the greatest recruiting class of all time. And they just got off a season that was very average, 8-4, and four, like they kind of have been these past couple seasons. So a lot of people are wondering, why would all these five stars, four stars want to go to A&M? Versus going to Alabama where you're going to have a lot more success. And that's no hate to A&M or any of their Aggie fans. It's just true. Alabama will win you national championships and will 9 times out of 10 get you to the NFL. But once NIL started to become a lot more prominent in college football recruiting, then we started to see a lot more signs that the fact that the Aggies were potentially paying these players a hefty penny. There was a lot of reports that had come out that A&M was, that had paid like a total of $30 million in NIL money from boosters and you know people that support the university. And technically, they were doing it legally. They weren't having to, you know, uh, you know, give these kids this money because technically they weren't the ones giving the kids the money. There were these outside people that were connected to the university, but legally they could still pay them because they were not employed by the university. So it's just a weird situation, and it's been happening throughout all of college football as of late. We've seen it, I guess, here more recently with Jordan Addison transferring to USC and kind of some tampering that they did when he was still with Pittsburgh. But anyways, the whole topic about this you know, recent, I guess you could say, news is the fact that Texas A&M school officials were actually asking the SEC to possibly suspend or even fine Alabama head coach Nick Saban for his comments made about the university and their whole recruiting techniques and how they were able to land all of these five-star recruits. But anyways, this incident actually occurred back on May 19th where Texas A&M President M. Catherine Banks and Athletic Director Ross Bjork they put in a request to the SEC, and in this request, they were quoted saying, Coach Saban's statement is false beneath the dignity of the SEC and corrosive to the fabric of sportsmanship and college football as a whole, and especially within the SEC, and quote. And then they would also go on to say, we expect the league to take strong public action against Coach Saban and the University of Alabama to demonstrate that such unprofessionalism and disrespect for Texas A&M student-athletes, coaches, and the university as a whole will not be tolerated. A public apology from Coach Saban to Coach Fisher, Aggie football, and Texas A&M University is a good starting point, but the league should also consider monetary and participation penalties against Coach Saban. Okay, this is a lot to kind of unfold. So pretty much the whole gist of this is them saying we didn't get exactly what we wanted from Nick Saban. He should have apologized a lot more, and we still think he should be, you know, you know, uh, he should suffer the consequences of his actions. But at the same time, Nick Saban didn't say anything outlandishly bad because he was not really lying. They did pay all this money to get these kids. I'm 99% sure that it was not just one player according to Jimbo Fisher that got you know any type of big NIL money and this was obviously probably um, Evan Stewart who was ranked as the number two wide receiver in the 2022 class so A&M unfortunately their ego got very hurt when Nick Saban said this and they're trying to kind of defend themselves almost by saying well there needs to be some kind of some type of punishment to Alabama and Nick Saban because we just can't let them get away with this but the thing is, there will never be any type of punishment because what he said was not wrong. And obviously, you have freedom of speech, too. So, I mean, you can't be expecting all of this for something that was not that big of a deal at first anyway. Because Nick Saban probably could have said the same thing about Georgia, USC, even Alabama. Because Alabama, I mean, he even admitted they do pay their, they do have to pay all these kids NIL money. But they do it the quote-unquote right way, which 
I don't know exactly what he means by the right way, but I'm figuring he doesn't go through all the loopholes and yada yada, but he probably does a little bit to get certain recruits. But anyway, I just think it's kind of funny that A&M was wanting such huge suspensions and fines to Nick Saban just because he called them out for their own doing. It's just the whole ego sometimes of these universities where they're like, well, you can't say that about us because you know we hold such a high standard and yada, yada, yada. Then don't do it. And you don't have to worry about people calling you out. And yes, Nick Saban has probably done a lot of wrongdoing. Even Jimbo Fisher called him out for it, saying, you know, there's a lot beneath the carpet that y'all don't really know about, which is true. Everyone knows it. Every college recruits, every college, you know, slips some money under the table. It's not shocking. But don't act like you don't do it because that's only going to make people want to turn against you and completely do a 360 and be like, well, why are you trying to, you know, possibly get him suspended for something that's true? But anyway, I thought it was pretty funny that A&M actually tried and went out of their way to possibly get Nick Saban suspended and even fined for saying that about the university. But anyway, guys, that wraps up today's college football segment. There just really wasn't anything going on, but I know that A&M and Nick Saban thing was just super hilarious when it came out at first. And now that we know that A&M tried to find some type of consequence for Nick Saban saying that, that just makes the story 10 times better. But anyway, guys, let's transition over to today's NFL segment. And we actually do have some good news for Cowboy fans, but we'll dive into that a little bit later. The first news that I do want to talk about, this is regarding running back Jarek McKinney and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs, they are re-signing Jarek McKinney to a one-year deal. And personally, I like this signing. Jarek McKinney will be a great depth signing, especially after the Kansas City Chiefs lost one of their better running backs in Daryl Williams to the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, obviously the Chiefs, they went out and got Ronald Jones on a one-year deal from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now that they're able to retain Jarek McKinney, who is a great receiving back out of the backfield and also has a little bit of elusiveness to him, I think will be a great, you know, great piece to add alongside Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and even Ronald Jones, who has been a very solid running back in his time in the NFL. So, yeah, I... I mean, it's probably one of the more underrated news, and you won't really hear a lot of people talking about it, but Jarek McKinney is definitely a name to watch out for as one of the more underrated backs in the NFL this season. The next news that I want to talk about, and this is actually some Dallas Cowboys news. Now, it's not any signings. It's not any breaking news. It's nothing, you know, rumored or whatever. This is actually some pretty, I guess you could say, head-lifting news for Cowboy fans. Now, the first Cowboy news I want to talk about is regarding running back Tony Pollard. Now, as we all know, Tony Pollard is the backup to Ezekiel Elliott, who has been with the Cowboys since 2016 alongside Dak. And there's kind of been this sense of loyalty, I guess, Jerry Jones has with Zeke and Dak, where he just he just can't get rid of Zeke, despite sometimes Zeke struggling on the field. Now, Zeke does have a lot of positives, but as of recently, he just really has not been looking like the same Zeke that Cowboy fans got used to seeing in his first couple of years in the league. So a lot of people were, were wanting change, and that change probably would have been in Tony Pollard, who was an absolute stud in the times that he did play during the season, especially on third down when they needed a lot of yards, and he would easily get that and more. Well, Cowboy fans, it looks like Tony Pollard will finally be used, you know, a lot more in this season now the Cowboys announced that Tony Pollard will have a much bigger role on the Cowboys offense and they've even got him taking uh, reps at slot wide receivers so we could possibly see him in some wide receiver packages as we all know he is a good receiving back and is also a very good elusive back and has amazing speed so once again I'm hoping that um 
and can't even talk. I'm hoping that they do use him the right way and kind of utilize him while they can while he's still under his rookie contract because I know any team, especially once he hit free, once he hits free agency, if the Cowboys don't resign him, they're going to snatch him up quick as heck. So, Cowboy fans, it is finally a step in the right direction for the Cowboys receiving room. I mean, I still want to see um, Zeke, you know, explode on the scene for the Cowboys I just don't know if he will and the fact he's on such that hefty contract and the Cowboys at least as, as of recently really can't get rid of him due to that contract now I don't know the exact details of it but I do know that it would cost a hefty penny to release or even trade him so it's one of those situations where they're kind of stuck with them right now but I do think like I said if they utilize Tony Pollard a lot more this could, you know, ease up Dak a little bit as well. And even some of the wide receivers, because Tony Pollard is one of those can, you know, do it everything type of running backs. And the other Cowboys news that I actually did have, and it still actually does um, involve the run game, but it's not at the running back position. It is actually um, involving Dak Prescott. Now, Dak Prescott, if you watched him at all during his time at Mississippi State, he was amazing when it came to quarterback draws. I remember that one play he had against LSU, I think back in 2014, when he went for like 75 yards and absolutely burned the whole secondary of the LSU Tigers. And it was, you know, it was looking like a great glimpse into the future for him. And we've seen him a little bit during his time with the Cowboys take off and run, but especially ever since his ankle injury that he suffered during the 2020 season, he has been definitely limited when it comes to running plays. But the Cowboys also did announce that Dak would be involved in a lot more quarterback run plays. So that is a good sign that Dak is having a lot more trust in his um, ankle as well. And the fact that the Cowboys are finally switching up this old style of play calling that they've been having where they just want to keep Dak in the pocket and not let him scramble out or anything like that. So we possibly could see Dak explode this year when it comes to running game and not just passing as well. And I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see this Cowboys offense this season, especially after they you know traded away Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns. It, and also, it will be interesting to see if CeeDee Lamb can actually fill that wide receiver one position that Amari will leave. It will also be good to see if Michael Michael Gallup, especially off the, uh, after that contract extension the Cowboys just gave him, if he will live up to that. And then Jalen Tolbert, who I am very high on, the wide receiver out of South Alabama, if he will be able to fulfill that wide, or three, that wide receiver three position or possibly a rotational piece alongside Michael Gallup. So the Cowboys offense is still going to be deadly. It's still going to be good. Obviously, I don't expect it to have the same production as it should have last year, but I do think they will be very solid and one of the better offenses in the league. Now, the next NFL news that I want to talk about, and this is regarding the whole Baker Mayfield situation. Now, ever since early in the offseason when the Cleveland Browns went out and acquired Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson via trade, it was pretty much confirmed from that point on that Baker Mayfield's time with the Cleveland Browns was over and he was going to need to find a new place to start over. Now, a couple of teams that were rumored were the Indianapolis Colts before they went out and got Matt Ryan from the Falcons, the Seattle Seahawks before I guess they decided Drew Locke and Geno Smith were going to be fine in their quarterback room, and then the Carolina Panthers even after they went out and got Matt Corral in the third round of this year's draft. So... It pretty much seemed like a one-team-was-left kind of deal where, the you know, if the Carolina Panthers didn't go out and get Baker Mayfield, then no team really would unless he was traded. Well, during the 2022 draft, it did seem heavily that the Carolina Panthers were pretty much confirmed and were going to trade for Baker Mayfield, and then things fell through the roof after there's kind of this long discussion about who would pay most of the remainder of Baker Mayfield's rookie contract. And obviously, it's a huge 
you know, huge, huge penny as his 2022 salary will be roughly about $18 million. So it's definitely something concerning for a lot of teams. But I do feel like if, you know, a team could possibly get him at the right price, say maybe about 10 to 12, they would possibly take on that contract. Now, anyways, it does seem, according to a report on Tuesday, that the Carolina Panthers are, so, are showing some urgency, quote-unquote, to get a Baker Mayfield trade done with the Browns so that Baker Mayfield can be with the team in time for minicamp. So, like I, when I was saying about we could possibly see Baker Mayfield becoming a Carolina Panther by the end of this week, I mean that literally. We could see him in that Carolina blue before we know it in possibly a couple days. And even before this episode does come out on Wednesday, he could possibly already be traded. And I do think this would be a good reset kind of for Baker Mayfield as he will have a flesh, uh, not flesh, a fresh clean slate up there in Charlotte and I mean, I do think the Browns did him majorly dirty. I know that his past season with the Browns was not successful one bit at all. The whole, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. situation that he had, you know, regarding not getting enough targets and kind of bad passes. And then just, you know, not really being that accurate. It definitely did look bad, but I do think that he kind of had a feeling that Cleveland was going to want to move on from him anyway after the season. So he kind of just slumped. And I do think that, the Panthers do legitimately look at Baker Mayfield as a possible franchise quarterback for them because if you all remember back in 2018 during Baker Mayfield's rookie season, he showed major glimpses of being that, you know, final franchise quarterback that the Browns have been needing for decades and that, you know, they could just never find. So I hope Baker Mayfield, if he is traded to the um, Carolina Panthers, does find some su- some success with them. I know the whole Robbie Anderson thing where Robbie Anderson was like, uh-uh, no, I'm not going to play with the Panthers if Baker Mayfield is my quarterback. I mean, I get Baker Mayfield has his, you know, off-the-field things and yada, yada, yada. But in my opinion, I feel like Baker Mayfield is a pretty solid quarterback and a pretty solid human being as well. I mean, this is coming from a TCU fan that unfortunately had to endure the whole Gary Patterson and Baker Mayfield situation where... Baker Mayfield absolutely resented Gary Patterson for never recruiting him to TCU but you know it is what it is but anyway it looks like Baker Mayfield could could possibly be heading to um, Carolina before we know it and possibly before the end of this week now the next NFL news that I do want to talk about is regarding the Washington Commanders and their star wide receiver Terry McLaurin now Terry McLaurin is going into I think it's either his second to last year of his rookie contract or it is last year of his rookie contract. But Terry McLaurin has announced that he will not report to mandatory minicamp as he is still awaiting a new contract extension. But we've seen this a lot you know, going on this offseason, whether it was with Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. But they always end up coming back to the team. So Washington, don't worry about it. Now, I was seeing a couple reports that Washington did not want to offer Terry McLaurin that top wide receiver money, which kind of concerning the fact that Terry McLaurin has been one of the better wide receivers in the NFL and that the Washington Commanders are so reluctant to pay him that money so it will be interesting to monitor the situation I do think obviously he'll stay with Washington as that is the team that drafted him but it is still something to be kind of concerned about if Washington is not willing to pay him the money that you know Terry McLaurin does deserve and the next NFL news we have and is actually regarding the Miami Dolphins and the you know this past offseason now It was rumored and it actually was reported that the Miami Dolphins offered former New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton a four-year, and yes, this money is actually accurate, a $100 million contract to become their head coach after they had had fired Brian Flores. Ooh, man, that is a lot of money for a head coach. I mean, Sean Payton 
had been one of the better NFL coaches the past decade and a half or so with his time that he spent with the um, New Orleans Saints. You know, after winning a Super Bowl back in 2009, he definitely was one of the better coaches in the NFL. But man, a four-year, hundred and million or hundred million dollar contract just to become a head coach—that's twenty million. A, that's no, that's not even twenty. That's twenty. Sorry, guys, I'm horrible when it comes to math. That is twenty-five million a season just for a head coach. Now, Sean Payton is something special. Don't get me wrong. Now, the Cowboys were obviously looking at getting him, you know, due to his relations with um, Jerry Jones. But, damn, I mean, the fact that Miami Dolphins, they could have had possibly Tom Brady and then Sean Payton alongside all these new wide receivers. Imagine if Tom Brady was throwing the football to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Oh, my goodness, that Miami team would be just insane to watch. And then having Sean Payton as your head coach that would have been so cool to see but unfortunately this was just a report before Sean Payton quote-unquote entered retirement now the big kind of story regarding Sean Payton is the fact that if things don't work out between the Dallas Cowboys and Mike McCarthy and Mike McCarthy ends up getting fired after this season or during the middle of this season that Sean Payton will possibly end up becoming the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and I mean it's more likely that would happen than he would go down to Miami just simply due to the fact of the relationship that Sean Payton does have with Jerry Jones. So it's still, like I said, it's another situation situation to monitor, especially as a Cowboys fan, because you could possibly end up having Sean Payton coaching Dak Prescott and this whole Cowboys team and then still having Dan Quinn as your defensive coordinator if he does not take another head coaching job in the NFL. But, yeah, that's kind of just a weird situation to think that the Miami Dolphins at one point were close to getting Sean Payton and Tom Brady. So that's <laughs> still just so incredible to think of what the Miami Dolphins could have had. Now the final NFL news that I do want to talk about, and it is kind of a and subject and sore subject for a lot of people, but this is regarding former Las Vegas Raiders first-round pick Henry Ruggs. Now, Henry Ruggs was involved, unfortunately, in a major DUI accident that happened late, I think, back in October of 2021, where, unfortunately, a woman and her dog ended up losing their lives. So rest in peace to them once again. But in this case currently, Henry Ruggs' lawyers, they had announced that they want to exclude Henry Henry Ruggs' blood alcohol level from his case, and they were citing that the cops did not have a warrant or probable cause to get a sample of his blood. Now, I understand the situation that Henry Ruggs is in where it's really, he, there's no chance that he's not going to serve some type of jail time. He's, a, he's going to go to jail. There's no way around it. It is blatantly obvious. He was caught on camera going like 160 miles per hour in a Corvette. I mean, it, there's just no way he's going to get around it. But I do think this is kind of like that one final stand for his lawyers to get him at least some reduced sentence and kind of find a way to loophole around it. Will we ever see Henry Ruggs back in the NFL? Absolutely not, unless somehow he is magically found not guilty or is able to serve like one year in you know jail or something like that because I think a lot of teams simply would take him due to just his, his sheer talent and speed because that was the sole reason why the Raiders went out and drafted him back in 2020 and in case you don't know he is he is a part of what is kind of known as the worst NFL draft class of all time which is the Raiders 2020 draft classes now I think Almost that whole draft class is no longer with that team. Both the first-round pick, second-round pick, third-round pick, fourth-round pick, all those picks are no longer with the team. So, yeah, I figured I'd kind of update y'all on the Henry Ruggs situation because we really haven't heard too much about it. But 
His lawyers are kind of starting to get a little bit desperate, and they're trying to find any way they can to possibly keep Henry Ruggs out of going to jail, you know, major time. Now, ladies and gents, that is it for our college football and NFL segments of today's episode. So let's just transition over to some MLB news and then some NBA final news. But first, like we always do, let's talk about some MLB news. And the first MLB news that I do want to talk about is regarding Washington Nationals right-handed pitcher Steven Strasburg. Now, Steven Strasburg, he had been on the IL since the beginning of the season. And a lot of fans, and even including the Nationals organization, are starting to lose a lot of hope in him because after he did come off the I.L., I think a couple weeks ago, and after he made one start, he did eventually return back to the I.L. with some right shoulder tightness, if I believe. Now, the one worrisome thing with Steven Strasburg is the fact that he really has not played that much these past couple seasons, and he is also still currently on that huge seven-year, $245 million contract, and Arguably, as of recently, it's been kind of regarded as one of the worst in the history of baseball and possibly even one of the worst in all of sports simply for the fact that Steven Strasburg, when he has played, has not played like the elite level a lot of national fans got used to seeing him play. But anyway, the reason why I'm saying it's kind of worrisome for national fans is the fact that they are still paying him an annual average value of $35 million a season for a pitcher who can't currently pitch or even stay out of the I.L. as out of 10 of his 13 major league seasons, he has been on the I.L. And this counts as his 15th trip to the injured list in Strasburg's, Strasburg's career. So it's a very unfortunate thing because he has an immense amount of talent. He has an amazing arm. But the problem is his arm can just never stay healthy. So, I mean, once again, I do hope that he will be able to get healthy and get back to that elite level for the Washington Nationals. But I do think that the Nationals need to find some type of way to possibly get rid of his contract because they have a huge, and I mean huge, issue when it comes to pitching. And the fact right now that about an about a tenth of their salary is currently going to a guy who can't get off the I.L., it is definitely worrisome for the future of the Washington Nationals. And it doesn't even help the fact that Apparently, the Nationals are also looking to ship out Juan Soto after they shipped out Max Scherzer and Trey Turner last season to the Dodgers. So, I know right now, being a Washington sports fan, it's not the best because, you know, the Capitals were eliminated. The the Washington Wizards really haven't had any success. The Washington Commanders are just a steam fire of an organization right now. And then the Nationals as well just can't seem to find any type of success despite winning a World Series back in 2019. But anyway, the next MLB news that I do want to talk about, and this is actually some well good and bad news depending on what team you're a fan of in the in Major League Baseball, and this is regarding the New York Yankees and their amazing start to the 2022 season. Now, going into the season, the Yankees were expected to obviously make it to the playoffs and even contend for a World Series, but I don't even think Yankee fans and the Yankees organization saw them doing what they are doing right now currently. Now, the Yankees, their record currently stands at 44-16 and and are currently five games above second place in all of baseball, and that is solely right above their New York foe and the New York Mets, who have also kind of been surprising considering some of the injuries they have had you know happen to their starting rotation during the season but anyways as of right now the New York Yankees they're currently on pace to win a rec- a record of 119 regular season games and their current 44 and 16 start to the season is the fifth best 60 game start in franchise history only trailing the 1939 team, the, the 1998 team, the 1953 team, and the 1928 Yankees. So 
And the crazy thing is the Yankees won the World Series in all four of those seasons. So could we possibly see the Yankees return back to the um, World Series and take another championship back up to the Bronx? Who knows? But it is definitely looking bright up there in New York for the Yankees. And, I mean, it's amazing to see kind of, you know, just how well the team has done. Aaron Judge is currently on a contract year, and he's definitely earned a lot of money going into next offseason. Matt Car- Carpenter, after being waived by the New the um. I almost said New York Rangers. After being waived by the Texas Rangers in their minor league system, ended up getting signed to a major league deal by the Yankees and has absolutely exploded on the scene for the Yankees as he's already hit six home runs in only 10 games with the team. So Yankee fans, you have a lot to look forward to as October does roll around later this year. And I mean, I just didn't expect the Yankees to be this good. I expected them to be pretty solid, especially after they kept Anthony Rizzo and, you know, pretty much had the same team as last season despite, you know, getting knocked out of the wild card round by the Boston Red Sox. But anyway, guys, that is it for today's MLB news. And to wrap up today's episode, let's talk about the NBA Finals. Now, the NBA Finals Game 5 was played on Monday night, and that took place in San Francisco. Now, this game was kind of an iffy-iffy because Golden State immediately jumped out to a decent-sized lead against the Boston Celtics, and then the Celtics kind of came right back after the um, first half was over. And it kind of seemed like, okay, Boston could possibly explode and, you know, be able to take this game over. You know, Steph Curry did not shoot well at all behind the arc. I think he didn't even make a single three-point. And it just seemed like, you know, okay, Curry's not playing well. Boston has every opportunity to possibly take this game over. And they really did. I mean, it was a low-scoring game for the most part until about the fourth quarter when Golden State absolutely took off. Now, it was largely due in fact that Draymond, Jordan Poole, and just a lot of, you know, the, the key role guys for the Warriors were playing outstanding basketball. Jason Tatum for the Celtics, he really didn't look like himself, kind of just, you know, couldn't get off to a good start. And they even had to bench him in the first quarter due to just – you know, really bad play. So Golden State would go on to take game five, and they currently do lead the finals three to two over the Boston Celtics as the series goes back to Boston for game six, which I do think Boston will be able to take game six. So we could possibly have a very exciting game seven that will take place back in San Francisco. Now, do I think that, you know, I had a right to think Boston could win it in six? Yeah, I mean, the defensively they had the defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart. Jason Tatum has played solid defense and amazing offense throughout the year. But I did not expect Steph Curry to, you know, play and type of basketball, but, you know, still be able to win all these games behind Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, and Dre um and Draymond Green. So Anyways, if you have not watched any of the NBA final games, I highly suggest watching them, especially when the games get later on in the game, because they always just for some reason seem to just absolutely rise the ante of the game. And I mean, it's just a re- it's really exciting basketball. I know, the, you know, for some reason this season's NBA playoffs really have not been that exciting, but the NBA finals this year really haven't been too bad. I mean, it hasn't been the best, you know, ever, but they have been pretty fun to watch, despite, you know, a lot of key stars struggling in these games. Anyway, guys, that is it for today's just episode as a whole. I hope you all enjoyed listening to today's episode. I know I enjoyed making it for you all. Also, guys, if you do feel like stepping up your support to the podcast, make sure to go check out Anchor.com's um, monthly supporter program where 
It only costs $4.99 a month. It helps me be able to better the quality of the podcast, give y'all some exclusive perks, and even some episodes later on when you know I'm able to build you know a little bit more of a fan base with y'all because I love the little community I already have, but I know I'm going to love it when we're able to get even more people in here. But anyway, guys, it is not required. I don't expect anything out of y'all. I appreciate any type of support that y'all do give me, feedback, likes, comments, ratings, whatever it might be. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for just all the continued support as it really does mean a lot to me because I never imagined I would be able to be in the position I am right now making these every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for y'all. So truly, guys, thank you so much as you've changed my life completely. But anyway, guys, I hope you'll have a fantastic Wednesday and Thursday. Make sure to watch Game 6 of the NBA Finals on Friday, and I will get back to you all on Friday. Peace, guys.